if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Sure, America's first. Ah, got some drama down here and i think uh, mr trudeau and mr morneau and the politicians who are trying to think through how nafta is going to get renegotiated and what's going to happen down here that's up how much money did you give the clinton foundation what how badly were you duped okay guys welcome back to the Grime america show uh, we're going to be chatting with charles ortel again a little bit later uh, so don't shut it off just yet. I know a lot of you last time uh, we got some didn't really like, thought it was a little politically slanted. Hopefully now that we're not so close to an election, um, people have a little more time to settle in and listen to some of this charity bullshit that's going on. If you want to call it that, we've got Michael joining us for the intro. He's actually in the studio and Graham is not in the studio, uh, but we'll still go with the one and only Graham Alt-right Dunlop first. <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs> it was in the book. Should be white supremacist or something like that, maybe. Are you? Or is, was that your white supremacist admit, admission? No, okay. of course not. I didn't think so. Watch how you say that. It'll exactly. come off as that. Somebody will grab it as a bite. Oh, yeah, that'll be it. That'll be it. We'll be in the, yeah, we'll be labeled well, alt-right. We'll have Antifa out front. Well, it's funny because Michael almost came to Red Pill Expo with me and we had those guys on that I'd met there, the Red Pill, and they were talking about how the media was actually throwing terms like that out there for that group of people, which was completely uncalled for. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's the Red Pill thing. It sounded great to, in theory, but then the closer it got, I just kind of got wigged out about it. I'm sorry I ditched you on that. No, you didn't. But I don't know. It was just kind of weird at the time. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was funny how you Did came you really back and you were so, it? I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. I'm nervous a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it's. It, it was so big and do. perfect. It was the thing. It was so perfect. You know, it was like all the right people were there and I don't know. And then there was something else that came up. I can't remember what it is right off the top yeah, of my head. But, yeah. Not wanting to be called... All right, like you. <laughs> but then when but then when Graham came back, he was all like, Oh, Trump's gonna save the world and we've gotta get out there and fight for him. I was like, Okay, no, really? dude, calm down a little bit. You I think you got Actually when he came back he was listening to quite a bit of Alex Jones <laughs> he too was, for a yeah. while, yeah. He picked up an EJ habit while you were down there. <laughs> yeah, which is go I've been I've been uh I think I've been But it was good. I think red pill's gonna be a good thing if they do it year after year. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I haven't been uh, following any of this stuff for a couple months, so I do feel a little bit out of the loop. Oh, wow. Well, it's probably good that you're taking a break. Now's the time because the shit's about to hit the fan. 
Well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, well, as soon as I take a break, everything starts happening because, you know, it was getting somewhat annoying, all the negativity and all this shit going around and nothing ever seemed to happen. But this is an important episode with, with Charles Ortel because to me, this is one of the most important things is, and this is why there's all this pushback against this, what's going on right now is that these vehicles of influence, that's what I sort of call them, and these charities and NGOs and organizations that are funneling money from you know, foreign governments and corporations and all that into this pay to play stuff is like, if it's, if it's, there's all this focus on the Clintons and that the foundation. And that's why, you know, if that goes down, that sort of takes that whole model down, or at least it, it, it makes it way harder to, uh, to thrive in that model. I don't know. It almost kind of seems like mafia families just going at it right now. Like it's all just wild West almost. Definitely has that feel to it for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I, we started looking into it on this show. We were talking to him, looking up some of Trudeau's shit. And I mean, his foundation has gone up fucking 350 fold since he became fucking prime minister. Prime minister. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think since just before he got elected. That's right. <laughs> uh, or when he probably started running, you know, it started going up when he started running. It's like, okay, here, now we'll funnel money to this guy. Yeah, and then the last year was something like $600 million of foreign donations to the Justin Trudeau Foundation. It will be interesting to hear from Charles, though, for, um, you know, last, probably last time you talked to him. When was the last time? Right you before, know? but like two months before the election. Oh, wow. So, I mean, things are just so radically different now. He must just be. Well, he says at this time that he's actually, he says he's talking to high level people and other governments and stuff that have, that are like, like everyone's fucking had it with the Clinton foundation. And now that she's not in power, it's just like, nope, probably what it is, is a bunch of people paid and now they're not going to get their play. Mm, that's what it says. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. And so they're all I mean, and it's not just a couple bucks, right? We're talking hundreds of millions. So when that, when you, you know, when you throw a hundred million around and nothing comes back to you. And so many of her friends are now, you know, quote unquote friends, but, you know, are starting to go down and be outed for all sorts of different things. And it just makes you wonder. It's like they're being undercut from lots of different ways. You yeah, know? it seems the like Saudi connection given, now, yeah. what's going on over there. And well, definitely, it seems like a bunch of Saudis that were connected to him just got arrested and everything else. So, how does that play in? I mean, it's just. Well, I mean, the way. I was talking to Jerry the other day. I don't get too far into it here, but I mean, the way he explains it is he thinks that it's all like precursor and it's all, all ties into these sealed indictments that, that people, high level people in the U S government are indicted right now. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they're still dancing around how the fuck they roll it out without, without causing fucking civil war. And it's a real del. It's a lot more delicate than you think. I mean, it seems, it seems think, as yeah. easy to just say fucking lock her up, but as soon as you lock her up, <laughs> you've got a huge problem with fucking half of the country. So it's dancing around that. And I think like looking so at cutting off them. the Saudis and stuff like that is kind of cutting off the cash flow or cutting off ability to, because I think, I mean, the one Saudi dude owns Twitter and all that. So now you've, you've maybe relinquished some of their hold on, on social media a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's different ways like that. Like, I mean, to me, social media probably shuts off. If it happens, social media shuts off for a while. That's what that. What do you, I don't understand predicted. that. What do you? Why? What do you There's mean? There's just no social media for a couple months. Well, fucking everything's happened. 
You start arresting Podestas and Clintons and fucking, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be closer to civil war than that country's been since the civil war. Well, they've got to redirect and give them another <clears throat> hero to follow before they take down those. I think is maybe they're trying to build somebody up to get going. I mean, all these, so it would have to be somebody on the left. Demo- well, yeah, somebody on these, the left would have to come like, and do it. Okay. Condemn Joe them Biden's themselves. going to fix everything for you. Everybody put your weight behind him. Who cares about the Clinton thing anymore? That's old news. Oh, you're right. Actually. Yeah. But right now, if they in. go after Clinton, cause there's no figurehead for them right now. Right. Bernie. will be Bernie. Bernie didn't, from what I understood, Bernie never actually wanted to be president. He was just doing it for the, for the kids, you know, to get them involved, to get them to get out there and be informed and. Or for the cash. Involved. I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but. He doesn't Uh seem, I don't, I don't see Bernie as president, you know, maybe being in the cabinet for sure. Like I thought Trump would have picked up Bernie for something in the cabinet. That just seems like, you know, if he would have done that. Bernie hates him too much, I think. So, like, he offered Bernie a job and he said no? I don't think he did, no. I think Bernie just called him Hitler and then he was like, fuck you. Who knows, so. But yeah. I know Bernie don't got a job. Bernie got three houses, though. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing just fine. Oh, yeah. Bernie's got... Well, do you think one. Do you think this, this all this um, Hollywood uh, stuff and all the sexual... Um, predation coming out is just part of this whole thing as well to ease the rollout i mean is it part of the whole plan maybe well, i think even snl now is turned on like the democrats really yeah i think they had a skit last night i heard that they were making fun of the democrats for oh fresh faces for 2020 hillary clinton joe biden bernie sanders <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah. of starting to take light jabs as they should, though. They always yeah, should. you would think. You can't just for a long time, it, yeah, for a long time, it was going that direction, you know? Yeah. Anywho, what do you got for me, buddy? I want to play a jingle. Did you go see City in this weekend? No. Oh. No, I want to keep talking about this other stuff. Like, what's what's going on in Saudi Arabia? You know what's going on in Saudi Arabia. Not really. Wow, it's pretty crazy over there. Like, fucking 200 people just got arrested, including 11 princes. Government people for corruption, high level corruption with a combined net worth. 11 of them had a combined net worth of $200 billion. Okay. So the house of, this is a, a quick pri- premiere from. Oh, is this the one you were talking about briefly? <clears throat> yeah. On peak prosperity. I don't know if I should be reading this, but Chris Martinson. Unless you study it intensely, Saudi politics are difficult to follow because they are rooted in the drama of a very large and dysfunctional family battling over its immense wealth. If you think your own family is nuts, multiply the crazy factor by a thousand. (laughs) Sprinkle in a little willingness to kill any family members who get in your way, and you'll have the right perspective for grasping how Saudi politics operate. The House of Saud is the ruling royal family of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It consists of some 15,000 members. The majority of the power and wealth is concentrated in the hands of roughly 2,000 individuals. 4,000 male princes are in the mix. Plus a larger number of involved females all trying to hang on or climb up this constantly shifting mountain of power. Here's a handy chart. So if you want to go to peak prosperity, you can see the chart. But basically what it's saying here is that uh, the the current ruler, King Solomon, is the, and his powerful son, Mohammed bin Salman, who's 32, 
has basically risen up and he's taken over um, the military and pretty much everything. And he just arrested, what did you say? It was like 200 people? Two, I, thought, I think it's right around 200. About 11 of them were princes. Yeah. It feels kind of weird reading this, so I'm just not used to that yet, but... You, are, you can pass it and I'll read it if you have it pulled you're up. You're doing good. Yeah, you're doing good. I actually, you know, you could walk right in here. Well, I think I'd rather, like, I think I'd rather highlight it all because I want to skip through it and you can't. It's hard oh, to Oh, yeah, read. yeah. Highlight it, yeah. Yeah, but I can't do that right now. I should have done it earlier. Oh. Anyway. Um, oh, like literally highlight it. I thought you meant like just pick out the highlights. Yeah. So uh, before we do, let's though talk about the most seminal moment in recent Saudi history, the key oil for money and protection deal struck by the Nixon administration in King Faisal back in the early 1970s. This pivotal agreement allowed the KSA, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, to secretly recycle its surplus petrodollars back into the U.S. treasuries while receiving U.S. military protection in exchange. The secret was kept for 41 years, and only recently revealed in 2016 due to a Bloomberg FOIA request. Uh, The essence of the deal is pretty simple. KSA wanted to be able to sell its own oil to sell its oil to the then largest buyer, the USA, while also having a safe place to park the funds, plus receive military protection to boot. But if it didn't want anybody else to know, especially its Arab neighbors, and to, that it was partnering with such intimately, that it, it was partnering so intimately with the U.S., who in turn would be supporting Israel. That would have been politically incendiary in the Middle East region, coming that it was right on the heels of the Yom Kippur War of 1973. As for the U.S., it got the oil it wanted, and double bonus time here, it got KSA to recycle the very same dollars used to buy that oil back into U.S. treasuries and contracts for U.S. military equipment and training. Sweet deal. Note that this is yet another secret world-shaping deal successfully kept out of the media for over four decades. (laughs) Yes, Virginia, or... Yes, Graham. Actually, it'd probably be yes, Darren. Conspiracies do happen. Secrets can be and are routinely kept by hundreds, even thousands of people over long stretches of time. Since that key deal was struck back in the early 1970s, the KSA has remained a steadfast supporter of the U.S. and vice versa. In return, the U.S. has never said anything substantive about KSA's alleged involvement in 9-11 or its grotesque human and women's rights violations, not a peep, until recently. In 2015, King Salman came to power. Things began to change pretty quickly, especially once he elevated his son, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, to a position of greater power. Among MBS's, um, Mohammed bin Salman, his first sacks was to directly involve KSA into the Yemen civil war. With both troops on the ground and aerial bombings, that war has killed thousands of civilians while creating a humanitarian crisis that includes the largest modern-day outbreak of cholera, which is decimating highly populated areas. The conflict, which is considered a proxy war because Iran is backing the Houthi rebels while KSA is backing the Yemeni government, continues to this day. Then in 2016, KSA threatened to dump its $750 billion in stated U.S. assets in response to a bill in Congress that would have released sensitive information implicating Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. Uh, I was just going to ask you about that. 
Then-President Obama had to fly over there to smooth things out. It seems the job he did was insufficient because KSA-U.S. relations unraveled at an accelerating pace afterwards. Mission not accomplished. 2017, KSA accused Qatar of nefarious acts and made such extraordinary demands that an outbreak of war nearly broke out over the dispute. The Qatari leadership later accused KSA of fomenting regime change, souring the situation further. Again, Iran backed the Qatar government, which turned this conflict into another proxy battle between the two main Gulf region superpowers. In parallel with all this, KSA has been supporting the mercenaries, the rebels, who are seeking to overthrow Assad in Syria. Yet another proxy war between KSA and Iran. It's been an open secret that during this conflict, KSA has been providing support to some seriously bad terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and other supported enemies of the U.S.-NATO. Again, the U.S. has never said boo about that, proving that U.S. rhetoric against terrorists is a fickle construct of political convenience, not a moral matter. Mm. Once Russia entered the war on the side of Syria's legitimate government, the U.S. and KSA lost their momentum. Their dreams of toppling Assad and turning Assad, turning Syria into another failed Petra state like they did with Iraq and Libya are not likely to pan out as hoped. But rather than retreat and lick their wounds, KSA's King Solomon and his son are proving to be a lot nimbler than their predecessors. Rather than continue losing a battle in Syria, they've instead turned their energies and attention to dramatically reshaping KSA's internal power structures. Um, there's another article that I could, it kind of wants to link to and tells you all about Saturday's massacre, but it's pretty much what, um, Darren was saying, how they arrested a bunch of people. They put them all into the Ritz Carlton and they're basically locked all in, they're kept inside this Ritz Carlton right now, supposedly all these Royal families, people worth $800 billion is what he's looking to in corruption charges to, uh, get from them. That's right. He's going to end up getting it, I think, too, and they're going to end up dead. And then uh, he's going to go on that stock exchange, which is going to boost the U.S. economy. Yeah. What was it? They're looking to put Aramco on a stock exchange for yeah. 5% of it, and 5% at current rate would be $100 billion, which is, <laughs> I think, Alibaba started at $20 billion or something like that. So it would be five times larger than the largest IPO that's in world ever history. Been in history. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And it's yeah. only five percent of Aramco. And so a lot of people are kind of battling over who's which market that's going to be on. Is it going to be on the the Chinese market or the in New York, basically? And yeah. so he's beginning to side more and more with China and pull out from U.S. As is what it's until goes on a to fucking say. rocket fucking fired off over his fucking back door and until i ran and him end up at war and he needs the u.s again yeah yeah so this well i mean is that why trump went over there so early mm. i think trump's always sort of seen that adding that to the new york stock exchange as being a way to help fucking stimulate the, the gdp sure. in a way that you know you you get that five or six percent growth for a year or two instead of one percent and you beat down the debt and if you can go in a couple of years and have knocked a couple of trillion off the debt i mean you're looking pretty good and if you can do that just by moving some paper around 
That's even Say better. that again? How was he going to do that? By adding Aramco or whatever the fuck it's called into the New York Stock Exchange. So it's just like instilling like a hundred billion dollars into the economy. And so I, I don't know exactly how it works, but it ejects that basically into your economy. And I, I suppose would, well, I think you can use that as an asset to leverage off of exactly. And it goes into the GDP and all of a sudden now you, your growth instead of 1% or two, 1%, I think, or 2% of where it's, is where it's been for the last forever, which doesn't allow you to beat down the debt. I mean, it, that could, I, I don't know how exactly it translates and multiplies and works out, but I, it seems like something that could put a pretty big step in the right direction to doing the debt. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, to me, it seems like a dirty trick. It's like a parlor trick because you're not actually changing anything. You're just throwing a new variable in to give you some sort of temporary solution. It's like a band-aid. Yeah, you're just reporting it all differently. Yeah, it's just a band-aid. Buys you a couple of years, but it might be able to. But buy, I mean, it's better than it might be it able to through. buy them enough time to get through the fucking financial collapse. That seems like it could be, you know, any day. Yeah, and it seems like it's better than what was going on before, where it was just all backdoor deals and in uh, <clears throat> in bribery, right? So that may not change, though. Well, no, it, it probably won't. It will with all the focus on the foundation, but you know, that's not going to be, it might have to go through different, different, uh, platforms now. Yeah. With a little luck. Yes. It'll be a less, less wild West, I guess. Maybe. Or more wild West because they don't have the structure. I mean, this, this was all this, these foundations and these charities and the NGOs were how all this stuff is happening. Right. It's how Soros fucking works his games and it's how, these guys were all getting political favors and arms deals and all this kind of stuff. So if that's gone, then now it's going to be more wild west. I think maybe Soros is going to jail. Mm-hmm. Why else would you give away all your money? He's going to die soon. Isn't he Who's like 90 something? Fuck, he looks pretty good for 90. He does. Looks pretty good for death himself. I'm sure he's got a good doctor. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Guarantee a team of doctors. Is he worth like $80 billion? I'd have a doctor if I had $80 billion. Hey, Siri, what's George Soros? Hey, Siri, what's George Soros's? Oh, you fucking. You know, you know, I I installed that update. I was supposed to fix it. Hey, Siri, what's George Soros's? Oh, maybe I didn't install the update. I said I was going to and. uh... But Graham, I don't know if you know that just about two hours ago or something earlier today, a seven point five or so earthquake hit on the border of iraq and iran no way yeah oh wow this massive earthquake just hit right there so i haven't had a chance to really see what's going on there because it's fairly recent just watching dutch's duche's uh says eight, channel it says eight billion on there eight billion mm-hmm Exactly. He, he, just he had. He was worth twenty six, and he gave away fucking eighteen. Oh wow! Okay, so he's not that rich. He only got twenty billion, not eighty. I was way off. He's only got twenty thousand million. Prior to the transfer, Soros had a twenty three billion dollar fortune, and he gave away eighteen billion. He just so Soros's net worth has dropped to an estimated eight billion. After giving all that money to the NGOs or whatever the fuck. Well, that's probably still enough to live on. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he should be okay. I, I would have kept maybe 10 in case he loses, you know, a billion a year. 
Mm-hmm. You're on at least a billion a year. But I mean, uh, it's still mind blowing. I don't think, I don't know if people realize how much influence that is 18 billion into those organizations. Like that is, that's crazy. Especially because he's that's really like 1% good at it. of the entire Canadian economy, I think. Because what, Michael? That he's just really good at it. He's very efficient at what he does. And he makes yeah. good, he makes good yeah. money on the way down and the way back up, you know? Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's really good at, the business model that he's created, which yeah. just happens to be nation destroying, but <laughs> but it's a good business for him. It's it's, it's called the it's God model to have worked well. <laughs> four billion. Our economy is four four billion. No, that can't be right. No, that's heck. No, that's the money we give away. Sorry, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I want to say it's like one point seven five trillion. Really, that big? I was going to yeah. say closer to just one trillion. I think it's 1.73. I looked it up not long ago for some reason. Hmm. I'm a nerd, I guess. Watch me catch ground with his pants down. Well, with the whole Saudi Arabia thing, it's it's very likely that the price of oil is going to go up. So here in Canada, especially in Alberta, things are going to begin to look better again. Yeah, I think the Canadian economy is about to fucking skyrocket. And with all the construction they've been doing around here, you have to wonder like how well that's known in the in the higher circles because Yeah, exactly. It's just ridiculous. They're redoing everything here. Like they're going to expand to 10 million people or something. Fucking out of here before. What? Well, I wouldn't go that far. How do you get where do you get that from? The bridges they're installing and all the money that no, they're that's putting just to, that's stuff just to and, keep up with minor growth. Well, I you think. Gotta co- uh, I don't know. He, what were you saying by twenty thirty they wanted to Calgary wants to take over Chestermere and everything in between? Yeah, that's what they're saying, yeah. Like that's like thirty miles probably <laughs> of filling with houses. That's huge. No, it's about seven K. Is it really? Seven K, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. From the house so that's line four miles. To the so that's house four line. miles. Yeah. yeah. Still, that's a lot of houses, man. We well, I in? think their I think their mandate is to go up, and they're building more condos and stuff. That's what's happening right now. Is the downtown is becoming more populated finally, instead of spreading out like that. So that's why there's so many there's so much construction downtown going up. It just seems like everywhere they're building everywhere. Seems like we have way too many hotels too. Darren and Graham going deep. Think he's ready? It's a profound UFO quote <laughs> of the week. Words to ponder and critique. Alrighty. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. That comes across fuzzy for me. I don't know why. Because you're Anyways, not in the studio. I am ready, and I'm I'm looking at the CIA website. It's very appropriate for this uh, this episode. This is the reading room, searching UFOs, CAA.gov. I'll put a link in the show notes. Air Force and the CIA reprimanded. The director of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, a group dedicated to scientific investigation of flying saucers, said Friday night in San Antonio, the more we know about some specific UFO cases, the harder such cases are to explain away. The comment came from L.J. Lorenz, in Tucson, Arizona, speaking at a UFO seminar sponsored by APRO at Trinity University. Lorenzen castigated the Air Force and the Central Intelligence Agency for deception in reporting. In reporting observed UFO cases and said the subject of UFOs has been taken underground where the CIA feels it should have been all along. 
Lorenzen said the goal of the APRO is research and objective study. But, he added, government deception has made it difficult to get reports on the cases that we need. Sometimes, he added, government reports leave out information that would substantiate the unknown nature of UFO sightings. Lorenzen discussed several recent UFO sightings now under APRO investigation. Included is one report of a glowing disc spotted by a Kansas farm boy that left a powdery deposit on the ground. Lorenzen said no current Air Force or CIA investigation of UFOs is apparent. But I'm sure, he said, that the Air Force is still investigating such sightings as a matter of national security. Lorenzen says the most common UFO sightings have been reported in all sections of the nation. He said there has been little or no verified contact with occupants of UFOs. More than 300 persons attended the Trinity, Trinity Seminar. Also speaking were Richard Greenwell, Assistant APRO Director, and R. Richland Stanford. And that's from 72, February 5th, 1972. And it's funny because this has been, it looks like it's been scanned into the reading room and they have a check, like a check in the first paragraph and a check in the second paragraph and UFO is underlined and CIA is underlined. And then the little part where it says APRO is research, uh, an objective study is, is like a high, sort of like uh, surrounded by pen. So it's, it's interesting. So somebody's obviously gone through this on behalf of the CIA and put it into their, uh, their document collection. Nice. It's a good one. Oh, you just ripped from the CIA website. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, eh? That's <laughs> not bad. Hey, guys, uh, do run over to grimerica.ca support if you can. Uh, helps us keep having these sorts of conversations with guys like Cortell. Um, we don't have to put any commercials or any advertisements in this bullshit. We don't have to turn you guys into the product. And if you can help us out in that quest, it would be great. Grimerica.ca slash support. If you can sign up for a monthly, that really does help out the best. Uh, if you can do that, there's options there for as low as a dollar a month, which works out to about 25 cents an episode. Uh, I think about the five buck a month is the most popular, which is about a dollar a show. So if you can sign up for that one right now, that'd be super. If not, you can do one-time donations. I think PayPal's actually switched it around now too. So you can actually go to, if you go to the one-time donation, click that, you can punch in whatever number you want there. And I believe there's a box to check now that will turn that into a custom subscription. So you can make your own custom subscriptions now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because some people are having a hard time finding the one-time donation. I think they said that they can only find the monthly one. It's directly, just keep scrolling. Okay. Yeah, just keep scrolling. Yeah, and and if you can't afford to do that, review the show or send us uh, feedback or emails about uh, articles or information you have, That's stories. Right. Review the show, share the show, sign people really, up for the newsletter. We really can't do it without the support. Like we, I mean, we didn't plan on it happening this way, but we definitely, um, you know, recognize uh, the people that support the show, and it really does help out. And we, and we can't do it without you. I do, I do got a couple of reviews here we got this week. A lot of people have been reviewing the show lately, so that does help. Yeah, that's really yeah. helpful. Cool. Dollars help, but reviews help too. Um, so I got a couple here I'll read off from Labor of Love in the USA. Podcasts like these are always my favorite. People taking their private chats and putting out into the world. Hey, anyone know of a grammar podcast? <laughs> Thanks, Labor. And then we got another one from... 
No Wi-Fi. Boss. Newfie, it's 10.30. You should have been here at 9. Newfie. Why? What happened? <laughs> Three conspiracy theorists walk into a bar. You can't tell me that's a coincidence. How do you get a baby alien to sleep? Rocket. <laughs> I don't really know how to decipher that one. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Thanks for the review there. Uh, no Wi-Fi and labor of love. So review the show, right show the show. Sign up for a monthly. Honestly, that'd be great. Can't do that. We understand. Anything else, motherfucker? No, that's it for me. No, thanks for joining us, Michael. It was great to chat with you again. Oh, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me back. Yeah, and Michael brought the electrician over so we can finally get some proper power into the igloo and less worry about uh, kicking breakers. Yep. You can get some proper fucking... Some heat. cool... A neon sign, maybe. Yeah, some more heat. Oh, I got a couple of things to bring. I got a neon thing. I want to get here. one of those fucking crazy magnetic floating globes like I have in the house road here. It's fucking wild. I am a little scared because you guys are just... This place is going to be humming... With all the electricity you'll have. I'm going to get available. superpowers one day. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you better bring some of those Oregon fucking things over. I got one. I got a pyramid ready for you here. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy the chat with Charles, Charles Ortel. Um, just uh, try and go easy on the hate mail. Yeah, be nice to each other. That's right. Everybody just love each other, motherfuckers. Enjoy the chat. <laughs> So for the second time in Grand America, we've got Charles Ortel back. He's an investor, a writer, interested in economics and geopolitics. And we had him on talking about uh, false philanthropy. We'll talk about that again this time. He's got some new stuff going on. And uh, he's also got a new, new, sh- a new video out, Sunday, Sunday with Charles on uh, Crowdsource the Truth. So we'll talk video about that show, a little yeah. bit as well. Yeah. yeah. So welcome back, Charles. Thanks for coming on again. It's my great pleasure. I hope you guys are doing well out there. Yeah, things have been good. You know, it's actually pretty funny. We don't, in in 250 episodes, we haven't got too much blowback on the show. I think the first show we did on vaccines, we got a little bit, and we got one when we did a Freemason a little bit. <laughs> but we, we released this one on the Clinton Foundation, and I couldn't believe the amount of um, hate mail we got on it. I mean, it's not. It wasn't a lot. It's just more than usual. That's all. Yeah, definitely more than usual. And it was all all very politically charged. But I think, in retrospect, I think because I think we released that episode about a month before the election, right? And and I think oh. we we don't have a very polarizing political 
audience, like listenership at all. I don't or think, stats, but, really. but I think like it's just, it's so easy for people just to say, Oh, you know, you guys were talking about the Clinton foundation and then they started labeling us what well, like, right. And all right. All, yeah. all this stuff. And it's just like, wow. Like into we, red ice radio. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So if you had to deal <laughs> with that a, a little bit and what, what's your feeling on that? Well, so the, the thing that's really interesting when we now look back, it's over a year, almost exactly yeah, a year yeah. after the election. Um, what happened, I think, in, is what, when what is happening, uh, not what is in Hillary's book, which basically explains nothing, but right. what, what actually happened and is happening is that there's an unusual confluence of events down in, in America where on the Democratic side, and I'm neither, I was a Republican years ago, but I, I don't like either party, and I didn't vote in 2016. Right. Um, in either the you know in the primary or the general, uh, because I wanted to be able to to you know to be completely neutral yeah. and remove yeah. that argument, uh, and, and also because I live in Manhattan, Stan, New York, where um, my vote doesn't matter. So, uh, but in any case, um, what I perceived in 2015 or hoped was that people across the political spectrum would actually end up being against charity fraud. And that is what I have found to be the case. Indeed, uh, I have spent the, the most time on any platform uh, with a great person in Utrice, a lady, Utrice Lead on Progressive Radio Network, where I'm on on average an hour a week with her, and her audience is you know, definitely left-leaning. And she is passionately up in arms, a crusader against what the Clintons have done, because it's not simply... Um, it's really not a, a case of purely left and right issues. I would hope there aren't many people on the left who are in favor of fraud and stealing money exactly. from uh, from uh, requests that that you know to help desperately poor people of Haiti. Where I'd remind your audience and the Canadian audience that Canadians are very generous to the Haitian relief effort. The only problem was it was run in part and small part by Bill Clinton and another small part the Clinton Bush Haiti fund. But the monstrous piece of it was run. Uh, under UN auspices, some guess as much as 13 billion in aid was jointly administered by Bill Clinton and a former leader of Haiti, and they refused to this day, seven plus years after the event, to account for any of that money. So at the time, yeah, I was politically charged. There was a lot invested down here anyway, and I guess abroad inside the U.S., although what wasn't supposed to be, uh, in the notion that Hillary Clinton would be the first female president and. If you said anything negative about the Clintons down here, you're a misogynist. And, you know, it was just, it was completely wrong. And, you know, we look back at this period and we and and I remember because I obviously was talking actively and being interviewed actively and, and thinking about it. And I tried to think deeply about it. Very, very few people um, believed that Donald Trump actually would win. And in fact, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who uh, a very nice person, a veteran political strategist, Republican, who was being sent by an unnamed publication to cover the victory celebration, you know, the shattering of the glass ceiling. And this person asked to meet me right before the election in, in Trump Tower. And she doesn't live in New York. And, and, and I said, look, there's no way we're going to get into Trump Tower on election day. Oh, no, I have a friend. I have a friend. He didn't even exactly know how to get to Trump Tower. The security was intense. And so I, but she's very strong willed. She's the political expert. I'm the banker. I'm the investor. What do I know about politics? Anyway, so we go into this atrium in a building nearby 
And she says, Charles, look, you know, I, I, I know you really think that the Clinton Foundation is going to get exposed, but I'm here to tell you there's no way that Donald Trump wins. There's no, there's a blue wall. I'm familiar with the blue wall. Uh, there's the, in no way a Republican can get an electoral college win. You're just going to have to resign yourself. You may want to think about, you know, leaving the country because Hillary's going to win and they're going to go after you. Yeah. And I said to this person, I said, listen, you know, um, I'm not going to debate your political expertise. So let's just put that on the side. I just want to ask you one question. Can you think about the scenario where you might be wrong? Are you prepared to entertain <laughs> that you could be wrong? And then another 15 minutes of it. So I went through this for a while. Finally, I said to the person, I said, look, I got to go and you got to go and whatever. So around about eight o'clock, as the first results started being counted, I, I called this person who was indeed over at the, the celebration. And then 8.45, how's it going? 9.15, how's it going? And at about 9.45, I called the person and said, well, I'm going to bed because I know who won. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it was really a tidal wave. And I think what, what happened last year in part was that people on the left, the Berniaks, and in my family, there's some Berniaks, uh, my children, they just, they couldn't stomach the Clinton corruption. And a lot of them stayed home uh, and didn't vote. Whereas on the other side, uh, you know, one of Trump's winningest lines down here, for example, dealing with trying to get the black vote, where you know past Republican nominees have gotten buckus in the way of black vote, he, you know, he said, "How much worse can I possibly be?" And that's really true. I mean, what we're seeing now across the spectrum in the United States is we're seeing that people who were held in high esteem, the celebrity culture, the sports culture, pretty soon we're going to get to the academic culture. They're all a bunch of elitists. Who we, you know, we are prepared to accept, do great things without checking too carefully, and then you know, the absolute uh, what power? Do, what is it? Um, absolutely corrupts or corrupts absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so we have this system of globalists. Your own country, leaders in your country, I believe, embrace the notion of globalism yep. because you're a G8 country. And your leaders stand to populate global governance, even though Canadian population and our population is small relative to China and India and everything. So there, there are people of nations like yours that, you know, say globalism great because, you know, our people are going to be stuck into the top echelons of WHO and all the secretariats and all this stuff. Whereas if we did it strictly on a population, our share of the global population, we wouldn't get much. I think that's the case in Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, even Britain, France, Germany. These are not that our country is that vast, but these are countries that have small populations and a lot to gain being on the right side of the globalist order. So you got those type of globalists. Then you have, of course, the investment firms and the lawyers and the accountants and all those bankers. You know, they love globalism. They love flying around the world, going to conferences, putting deals together, and the media people the same way, as do the academics. So everyone embraces this theory of globalism without thinking it through, in my view, carefully enough. And the reason they're not thinking through carefully enough, in the United States market, and if we lump it together with Canada and Mexico, we say those three nations will share sort of the same portion of the world. We can, you can drive from Canada all the way down to Mexico if you want. Um, yes, there are differences, but that unified set of customers is by far and away the largest market in the world, consumer market in the world, by far and away. The second one, China, when you look at it carefully, when you dissect China, its, its consumer market is minuscule. 
They have been spending a tremendous amount of money on infrastructure. I would argue burning it, you know, and we're seeing some evidence of crazy cities, right? Right. But when you, when you, you know, any country in the world, you can look at, this is my business. What I used to do, you know, looking and buying and selling companies, you have to quickly figure out what's going on. That so-called 80, 20 rule. When you, when you take the top 20% by income in a, in a country, what share of consumption do they account for? Okay. In a rising, in a, in a developing nation, or in, you know, along the route nation like China, which is not fully developed yet, the, the top 20% disproportionately consume a lot. And the bottom 80%, therefore, have a very low standard, very low per household demand for anything. So it's very muddy thinking to believe that what you're doing by um, going after business in China is to go after the end-use consumer. You're not. What you're doing is you're trying to put infrastructure deals together to build hospitals and roads and buildings and this and that. And that's, once again, that's a globalist thing. That's not, you know, that's, that's just, you're paying lip service to a concept that is actually destroying, I think, livelihoods inside your country, inside our country. Mexico's the lower standard of living. But, you know, our workers, your workers are highly paid on world scale. Technology is moving along here. And uh, very rapidly, and we're getting to a place where it doesn't really make sense uh, to hire expensive humans if you can replace them with inexpensive robots and technology. And that's where we then get back to this project here that you know, some in the United States, maybe your audience has a different view, but I agree with, I don't like Ross Perot. I find him to be incredibly annoying. But when he said that NAFTA would lead to the, you know, the giant sucking sound, he was right. And... You know, that's on the one. Well, let's let bygones be bygones. Let's forget about that for a second. Between, just forget Mexico, too. Between Canada and the United States, we control jointly, but each controls our territory ourselves, a vast disproportionate store of the world's fresh water, resources, affluent customers. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of commonality, frankly, between Canada and the United States. And you can manufacture and ship inside stable countries, China, I'm sorry, Canada and the United States. You don't have to mess around with this so last millennium approach of, you know, sending your guts of a, of a car over to China to be slapped together and, and, and imported back here into Canada or the United States. You don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, the risks inherent with all that, the, the extra fuel costs and you know, the complexity of an organization that's set up that way, as opposed to setting up a, a business in where you are there in Calgary. You know, I wouldn't want to do that because it's awfully cold up there. But uh, those people who like the cold, uh, you know, you could set up a business in around Calgary, even rural areas, and, you know, avail yourself of the work ethic of the people who live in those rural areas and ship goods and or services to to affluent customers in the United States without worrying about sending a ship over to China or Africa or whatever. And... As the realization grows that these very complex organizations that have been established since 1989, 1990 don't make sense, people are going to rush back home to the United States, to Canada, and elsewhere. And if we can think, the United States is going to go by hook or by crook to a lower tax rate regime. And I would, I'm pushing like heck to get the Trump people to think about, you know, let's, let's, put, the ta- let's put the tax havens out of business. You know, let's, let's lower, let's, Figure out a way to make it, you know, much more interesting for people to invest inside the United States of America. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why should why should why should Ireland have the deal it has in Europe? You know, we can we can do a lot to really turbocharge this economy. And I think the people who are all around Clinton, you know, were not being honest about her accomplishments and Bill's failures. I mean, you know, it, to, to the notion that Hillary Clinton is a feminist is an insult to my very good friend Kathleen Willie, and, and I met her once, Juanita Broderick, and Paula Jones, and Kathy Sheldon. I mean, get a grip. Now, you know, any, any feminist would have divorced Bill Clinton a long time ago with extreme prejudice. You know, so uh, if there's blowback from this comment or blowback from the last one, bring it. <laughs> Well, it, you know, the me- you wouldn't have seen this in the mainstream media, but in the independent media, sure showed a lot of focus on the false philanthropy from probably a lot from your work and, you know, exposing a lot of this. But um, w- did this result, like, I feel like it slowed down quite a bit. There was less, less influence from these foundations. Do you, would you agree over the last year that it slowed down quite a bit? And then... And then the other part of it is the pushback is so intense and so real. And I believe that your work is at the core of why that pushback is there. Because if, if the Clinton Foundation falls as a, a vehicle of influence, then it's the whole house of cards is going to come down with all these other organizations and false charities. And I mean, you know, didn't Sor- Soros just put like 18 billion? That's like $18,000 million into a bunch of organizations. I mean... Like it, it, it's just so. I guess there's a lot to sort of unpack there. But what you, what are your, what are your thoughts? All right. So what I would say to you is that um, I realize, not because I have political experience, but just thinking it through, that it would take time for Donald Trump to find his feet. That, that is to say, to get his people. You know, our governments are so. You know, the various branches of government are so big. There's so many positions. There's so many ways that swamp creatures can slow you down. So I realize that it would take time for Donald Trump to get this, this ship righted. And now we know, of course, that uh, this is a separate strand we could discuss. We know that uh, the never-Trumpers, that is to say the Republicans who don't like Trump, and many of those are in the Bush wing, you know, were humbled by the fact that Trump destroyed Jeb Bush, would raise $100 million in, <laughs> a, in, a, in several minutes, and he got rid of the low-energy Yeb. And, um, you know, those, that wing, the people who, you know, don't like, you know, Trump's vulgarity and boorishness and proportions of his life. Um, and of course, the, the Democrats who have been humiliated, who are humiliated, and the, name, the fake news down here, have been fighting tooth and nail. And I've been watching carefully. The thing that I thought was, you know, the most important was to get this uh, Gorsuch across the Supreme Court. He's done that. And the next thing I was wondering about is when are they, were they going to change the helm of the IRS. And now we have that's going to happen by the 13th of November. So in several days, we'll have a new non-swamp creature in charge of the IRS. So I realized that there would be, just as in our World War II experience, you know, 10 years after or 15 years after World War II, you'd have these Japanese soldiers come out of some Pacific jungle somewhere thinking that the emperor was still in charge of the world. And (laughs) similarly, down here in America, we have the same approach. These various people who really think you can unseat Donald Trump by, you know, by uh, spreading dirt and paying $12 million for garbage and breaking all the rules as Obama left, left the White House. Well, you can't do that. And so I've been using my time productively. I can't say which authorities, but I can say that there are numerous governments inside and out, government authorities inside and outside the United States of America 
who have had their eyes and do have their eyes keenly on the date November 15, 2017. That is the day where the Clinton Foundation trustees have to file tax returns uh, for 2016. And it is my contention, and those are the experts I speak to, that you cannot do that lawfully without filing a tax return for 1997, the short period that it operated, which it never done, correcting all your returns from 1998 to 2015 and all your audits, getting real audits and confessing to charity fraud. You can't, you don't have a prayer of doing this lawfully without making a confession that then implicates you. Huh. And you got to implicate yourself because you raised money across state and national boundaries on the basis of false and materially misleading information. Now turning to Canada, um, Canada does have, and you know your country far better than I do, but I was surprised to learn this morning Probably that not, Justin, Trudeau, <laughs> uh, just, Justin Trudeau uh, has, his family has a foundation, uh -huh. and it was started by his father. And the suspicion is that you know the, the Trudeaus are very cabin close to the Clintons, and the Clintons are also tr uh, close to leaders up in Quebec. And your government, according to Bill Clinton, uh, in a book that he wrote and was published in September 2007 called Giving, ironically a book for which he was paid about $6.4 million to write a book about charity. That's kind of interesting. And he never disclosed any of that in the charity filings, which you have to do. Um, he claims in that book that the, the government of Canada and citizens in Canada began giving money in 2002 to fight HIV AIDS by the Clinton Foundation. Well, there are many problems with that. The first problem is that the Clinton Foundation was certainly not authorized in 2002 to fight HIV AIDS internationally. That's the first problem. The second problem is it wasn't registered to solicit in key states in the United States to do that and around the world. The third problem is that Bill Clinton was not a trustee or executive officer of the Clinton Foundation uh, he, uh, until the at Clinton Foundation level 2013, and at this new HIV AIDS, this illegal new one, it was set up in 2009 till late 2009. So Bill held himself out as being in control of an organization where formerly he had no legal controls. He began soliciting. He attracted Frank Justra, the prominent Canadian billionaire, I think originally who lived out there in Vancouver somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, to begin giving, by some accounts, $31 million to the Clinton Foundation. Now, there is an amount in 2006 that does look like the 31.3 million claimed in a New York Times article. But the problem with that is that Frank Juster claimed in an interview that he gave that money to fight HIV AIDS in 2006. Well, in 2006, the Clinton Foundation certainly was not authorized to fight HIV AIDS anywhere, and indeed likely had been turned down by our own IRS for that purpose. Thereafter, in 2007, Frank Juster and Bill Clinton people got together and they created this joint venture up in Canada illegally, relying on false representations from the Clinton Foundation, entering into an agency agreement where in this joint venture, a Canadian charity that is listed up in, you know, registered up in Canada, um, was supposedly controlled by the main Clinton Foundation from New York. But the New York filings don't properly reflect that. The federal filings don't properly reflect that. And our laws are actually not as strict as your laws. Canadian laws only allow Canadian citizens, I believe, to make uh, donations against their American income if they put money into an American charity. That's step one. Hmm. Um, he, the, the, if he made the donation from American income into 
the American Clinton Foundation in 2006 of 31.3 million. He has serious problems. Uh, I don't know how you would have done it. But I don't, the Clinton Foundation didn't register in Canada, I don't believe, until 2010. So, you know, you can go into this. It's like it, it's uh, speaking of blowback. This is my, bring me some blowback and I'm going to counter it with nuclear weapons. Because <laughs> you know, what you have here, you have a long botched relationship as far as Canadian, federal, U.S., and state laws and international laws are concerned with the Clinton Foundation, starting in 2005-06 time frame. Why then did Frank Schuster agree to go on the main Clinton Foundation board in 2013? Either he did no due diligence at all and doesn't care about Canadian and U.S. law, right? Yep. Or he's complicit in this. He's a driving force in this. Yeah. I mean, no one, this thing has never had the kind of controls and independent trustees that it needs. And it's never had an accounting firm worth its salt to actually play by the rules. So when you have a presidential charity run by celebrities who also have spouses who are politically ambitious, and the fraudsters around the world figure that out, um, you know, how valuable is it to have the president of the United States under your thumb? Because you've been, you know that Hillary Clinton has been a party to a long-standing, long-running, multi-billion-dollar multinational fraud, and now she would have been the president of the United States. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty valuable stuff. Think of what you can get by way of authorizations for deals, by way of maybe contracts, investments, you know, the money from U.S. government uh, influence uh, and multilateral organizations. I mean, give them $31 million and you get back $31 billion, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. So this is the thing, you know, I have uh, your own country, as you know better than I, is also divided politically i think it leans a little bit more left than ours yeah but uh you don't think so Darren, right, right, well, no i think it's gonna snap back i think it's about to snap uh, back if, if my if talking to all my liberal friends in ontario is any decent sample size well i think what's happening down south is also really open people's eyes as well i mean i used to be more of a liberal like my i have a transition i mean i was i was at a point where i didn't even want to follow politics or I didn't even really have a side at all, but I was more liberal at heart. Um, and then, but now it's just, I've, I mean, I've shifted. And it's not that I've gone right. I've just realizing the global corruption that's going on. It's just sort of made me back off of it completely in a way. So Darren's got something on the, on the screen here that he, while you're talking, he was just searching. Um, well, it's, our, <laughs> Trudeau it's on our national post, which I guess would be the equivalent of your New York times or something. Which is weird because uh -huh. they're liberal, I think. Most yeah, of our media is so. very bad as well as far as being biased. And this but. is from December of last year. And it's got the Trudeau Foundation donations from 2008 to 2016. So in 2008, it was about $2 million. In 2011, it was $67 million. And then he took over the Liberal Party in 2014. And then we started getting foreign donations. Yeah, he jumped up to $172 million. $53 million was foreign donations. In 2015 now, when he's head of the Liberal Party, he's got $634 million. Well, that was when he was Prime Minister, wasn't it? Yeah, he would have been Prime Minister then. So, yeah. so as soon as he became Prime Minister, the donations jumped up to $634 million. And then in 2016... of which were foreign. Yeah, foreign. And, then... and in 2016, yeah, he well... had three quarters of a billion dollars. Yeah. Half a billion of which yeah, is foreign. Outrageous. Yeah. And is that Canadian money? Probably. Yeah, probably. Canadian yeah. dollars? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's, but nonetheless, that's a lot of money and, and it's a very bad practice. I think, you know, uh, as I was saying on uh, earlier today, I think politicians of powerful countries, Canada is a big, powerful country. A lot of people around the world look to Canada as, you know, as a, and try to follow the, the, the practices and policies of Canada mm-hmm. as some try to follow the United States and other big countries. And I think the practice of, you know, letting there be dynastic political families like the Trudeaus, like the Bushes, like the Clintons, maybe like the Obamas in a democracy is a very bad idea when you marry it up with a foundation mm. because under our system, possibly under your system, people can give money to foundations and, and, and basically end up subsidizing costs that should be borne by the politicians in their political operations, yeah. but are instead shifted to the foundation, and they can more tax efficiently in our country make contributions, which really are illegal, to uh, to favor a different a, a politician in the guise of charity. They can walk around and say, you know, I didn't give money to the campaign. I <laughs> gave it to the foundation. And... You know, another newsflash for you, I may not win any popularity contests with this, but I was recently told, and I verified, that your finance minister has some issues as well. Your finance minister has um, uh, ties to foundations. Your finance minister has a family business that seems to specialize in creating these offshore companies. And your finance minister has been attacked by various and sundry people for not being fully uh, disclosing enough what's happening with this regime of offshore companies. And I just think that's, that's the wrong way to go. You know, we, we shouldn't be having these politicians. It's not simply in Canada and simply in the U.S. We have Tony Blair doing the same thing in the U.K. We have people doing the same thing in Australia. What's worse is we have these, you know, former world leaders like Bill Clinton and others and uh, this lady in um, Australia. What they do is they, you know, they figure out how to pick the pockets of the U.N., you know, and they create this, this new anti-slavery foundation that's going to be created. And friends of mine are very much against it because the people involved in it, you know, are not pristine. And um, we we shouldn't be using the desperately poor, thin faces of brown-skinned people around the world to coax, you know, untold billions, maybe tens of billions of dollars, as happened for the HIV/AIDS thing. Now, maybe for slavery into a bureaucracy controlled by political types who don't report and are not careful enough with money. Um, that's just the wrong way to go. I mean, your country uh, does have other, many other businesses than energy, but you know, low energy prices, generally speaking, are not good for Canada. And we have been in a process of low energy prices. You have your social welfare costs that are higher than ours, uh, in particularly in Ontario, Quebec. Uh, and other places, and these are not small amounts of money or small obligations. You know, we shouldn't be either in your country or our country in a business of creating these entrenched systems for bureaucrats to throw money and burn money and and send money to foundations that they control to support lavish lifestyles, all the while, while pretending that they're serving the public. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we would. Time for- We've been uh, talking about that, eh, Darren? Uh, when, when did you find out there was billions of you know of uh, our money? Going to going to like, the Clinton Foundation it was and other something like five billion a year in foreign aid. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, some of it okay, you know, might they might need it, but I mean, where is that well, going? Some of that, that they worry that some of that is coming back to the Trudeau Foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or the Clinton, your, some of that went to the Clinton. You Foundation. take it twenty percent and fucking send us to the rest back. Yeah. 
Right. Well, so the, the, the big, when you have an international foundation or an international business, and I, you know, I, I specialized in, in doing merger and acquisition transactions and private investments in multinational companies, it's a very complicated work. I mean, you can get it done and it's rewarding and exciting and it's fun to do it properly. But if you want to do it improperly, you gain the controls, you get a stupid accountant that doesn't really have a mission or an inclination to do the work for you. Currencies move around like crazy. And you can manufacture invoices. I mean, the first trick in, a, in one of these multinational frauds, the charity fraud, is you don't tell the truth about how much money you actually raised. And you know, people are very generous. You, you, you describe some, you know, here I'll speak about Manhattan. I mean, we had a, the tra tragedy yesterday, but during September 11th, 2001, I happened to be here that you know, period. And the, the, the sudden, spontaneous, gigantic, donations of money and blankets and medicine and all that came to one of the richest cities on earth from perfect strangers around the world was unbelievable. Yeah. Not to mention the people who got in cars from all over, wherever, just dropped everything. Anybody with medical training or first responders just came flooding into the city to try to help. And that's general, that's the human spirit is actually, that's what they do. But if you're going to, you sit there as a bunch of leeches, which many of these people are, I would argue, and wait for the next volcano, wait for the next earthquake, wait for the next flood, wait for the next you know, refugee stream, and then mount a campaign, you're gonna get a lot of money into, over the internet by telephone, by mail, it's gonna come to an account, and the first step will be, you know, how much do we say we got? You know, we got 70 billion, well, why don't we say we got 10? And yeah. steal 60 billion. Yeah. I'm just making those numbers up. So there should be a system in the, the developed, the G8 countries for sure, because that's where the bulk of the wealth and the money is, that a charity must have one main incoming address, one bank account only, and you cannot send money towards an official charity unless you send it to that account. And if you find money is going to any other account, you shut that charity down. All the trust you have to have severe penalties for the trustees. That they be, you know, they can never work in a position of trust again. They can never. They have severe monetary penalties. You throw the trustees in jail for 10 years, 20 years. And you've got to put the fear of God in these people, or the fear of something in these people. And, you know, let's, so the first step is diverting from, you know, the real incoming stream. The next step is it, what I suspect has been going on with the Clinton Foundation is that the books and records shown to the public are invented. You know, you, you, you want to manufacture uh, either a small profit or, or a loss but so you have to create expenses. So you have false invoices in the construction of the con of the con uh, complex out there in Little Rock. You know, Mark Stein. I forget where Mark Stein is from. Whether he's from Australia, England, or Canada, but Mark S T E Y N uh, had a very funny appearance on Tucker Carlson, where he pointed out that the tr annual travel expenses for the entire British royal family are like seven million pounds or something. <laughs> you know, how does the Clinton Foundation spend seventy million dollars? all its entities on travel how do you do that holy i mean you know, i mean it's what are they are they going up by like a, a, a i don't know a, a space shuttle you know by a space shuttle it up took to me like, rock and back took me like five years to convince my wife to let me let me buy a thirty thousand dollar truck <laughs> yeah well yeah you get her a job at the clinton foundation but anyway yeah, i'm not kidding uh, i'll just start a foundation yeah we'll put it in graham's name <laughs> No, you wouldn't do that. No. But, no. but so, so, so the next step, though, is is to manufacture false invoices. And if you're operating 
you know, as they say they worry, they're raising money to buy pharmaceuticals, generic pharmaceuticals, to distribute them in uh, very difficult countries, you know, where there are no roads, no electricity, no hospitals, no doctors, no nurses, no, no real controls. And by the way, they're mostly run by corrupt politicians. So, you know, what could possibly go wrong with that? Right, that you that you 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 could overstate the amount of money you paid to the perceived vendor. The vendor could ship you an adulterated product. Uh, the, you could split the proceeds with the corrupt leaders. No one's going to check anyway. You know, no one's going to really be able to say, did Bill Clinton actually you know send seven million dollars worth of stuff into uh, Cote d'Ivoire, into you know the rural Cote d'Ivoire? I mean, yeah. seven, I'm just making numbers up now, but. You know, seven million over the course of 2006 to 2009 is spending in that country, roughly. Um, I've been there long ago, 40 years ago. Um, actually, the capital is wonderful, or was wonderful. It was an interesting country back then. But the rural places are so desperately poor, so parched. You know, there's the as you get head up north, it's you know very dry country, and you know <laughs> there's no way you're going to be able to actually get the medicine out to the needy people in the rural areas. And by the way, in many of these countries where they say they operated, it's a different than it is here in Canada and the United States, where the United States, you know, most people, believe it or not, are clustered in maybe not urban centers, but, you know, uh, metropolitan areas. And it, that's not the case in a lot of Africa, that people still live in the bush, concentrated in the bush, therefore they're off, they're away from roads, away from the electric grid. You know, and you can't give when you're treating HIV/AIDS. It's not like you you, you can get, just give somebody a you know a dry pill and walk away, and that's great. I mean, you got to there's side effects. Often there are multiple diseases people are fighting. These people are very thin. You know, they they lack clean water, and you know, and the Clintons have been trying to hide the true extent of their gross dereliction of duty, starting in 2002, going up to your, your good people in Canada. And say, hey, give us some money. We're going to fight HIV/AIDS, but not telling you that the drugs they were using seem to have been purchased in part from a company called Ranboxy, generic Indian company that paid a $500 million fine and had to admit that no medicines that they manufactured anywhere in the world had been tested prior to August of 2004. And the Clinton Foundation certainly began working with them by October of 2003 and solicited money from your country by. Bill's admission and by people inside your country starting in 2002. You know, that is that's really medicine. bad behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And read the, read the Fortune Magazine article, Dirty Medicine. It, it summarizes some of this. So the, the short answer to your question is that, that I have, you know, I, I want to expose this fully. I want the truth out. And I have been successful in getting some very powerful governments to devote resources to this. This is coming out. And I have a message to Mr. Trudeau and a message to Mr. Morneau. It is a very unwise move to obstruct the investigation here because while your country has made, the government of Canada and people in Canada have made substantial contributions, you are not anywhere near the largest donors. And some of the largest donors are very upset and are moving very aggressively and people who obstruct this investigation will eventually be seen to have obstructed the investigation. And good people across Canada are going to say, now, wait a minute. You know, A, why does our leader have such a big foundation? How did that happen? B, why is our leader prepared to overlook and our finance minister overlook 
an investigation or obstruct or stop an investigation of, of why Canada seems to have these strange ties with the Clinton Foundation and strong rules, strict rules about regulating charities. But inside Canada, and in particular, you know, Canadian charities that operate outside Canada absolutely can only follow the legitimate authorized purposes under Canadian law for that charity. Why is the Trudeau, Trudeau administration and the finance minister so willing to be so lenient and maybe even obstruct an investigation into a case where perhaps, you know, we hear in, in the Uranium One period that 145 million may have come down from Canada into various Clinton Foundation periods. There is no record in the U.S. books of that that I see. So where did that money, how much money really came out of Canada? Where did it really go? And in the earlier period, the 31.3 million that Juster sent in 2006, why would he send 31.3 million into a charity that didn't lawfully exist to fight HIV AIDS and may have been doing so in that year with adulterated drugs that were then even being investigated by our own FDA? Yeah. Which is our Food and Drug Administration. I mean, this is, so there are a lot of questions here. And I actually think out of all this, I'm not seeking a political advantage here or a political position. I just care that, you know, in the charity world, needs the regulation of the charity world needs to be brought into the 21st century. There are a lot of very decent human beings who either work in the charity world and or give money to charity. And they expect charities to be run well. And many certainly gave to the Clinton Foundation and they give to the Trudeau Foundation seeking a political advantage. I don't yeah, doubt that. Yeah, but yeah. that's not that's not the typical human person who gives to charity. Down here and I guess in Canada, you know, it's it's lower income, middle income people who give when, when you add up their many millions of small donations, they're a lot more significant, believe it or not, than donations made, as you mentioned, by George Soros or others, because there's, you know, our countries are so rich and people are generous. You know, they do give in your country, in our country, they tie, they give money to religious organizations. They give lots of money to schools and hospitals. Um, and, you know, the, the Clintons, it's not, I, I wouldn't have been on this as much as I have been on it, if the Clintons had not made so much of their own charity and bragging about it around the world, you know, trying to make, you know, that's the reason you ought to hire, make me president is look at all the good work Bill and I have been doing around the world. I mean, you start going down that path and I've got a problem with that. Yeah. So what about, what about all the other organizations that might not be called charity that the people like Soros are funding billions into? I mean, is there anything that we can do there or you can do there or are you, are you looking at that or what? Like, cause that seems to be one of the next big influences. Like I feel like a lot of the movements that are going on, especially down in the States right now are not organic. They're, they're bought and sold movements and people are being, you know, hired and all that. It's a different situation, but it's somewhat similar because it's still, you know, this influence being pushed through organizations. Yeah, well, you mentioned my show. So it's it's called Sunday with Charles. It's on the YouTube channel, actually. And it's uh, it's in association with a group called Crowdsource the Truth, which mm -hmm. is probably a group you guys should know. It's it, These are independent people, some in yeah. Canada, mm -hmm. uh, who are just keenly interested in, in getting, becoming more active. And they see this leads. And uh, Crowdsource the Truth, I think, has 20,000 members now, which is decent. And... Mm -hmm. Our, our shows get you know decent viewing, but in the last several shows, one is titled "Walking Tall 3. We try to you know spoof a little bit off movies, <laughs> and and that's a very long show. That was two hours and forty minutes, and I lay out in some depth. Uh, there's a seventeen-page slide presentation with links that nice. I go get through that, and 
And, and I did another one today. It was an hour and 40 minutes called um, uh, The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do another one. This, I generally do it on Sunday, but in the period prior to um, November 15th, 2017, we're going to do two a week. There's a lot to cover. Yep. And in, in the one, um, uh, Walking Tall, we get into that a little bit. So in the United States, and I don't know how Canada works, but in the United States, you may not operate a charity to advance the political interests of a candidate, a specific candidate, or a party against somebody. You're not allowed to do that. It's strictly prohibited. Now, what George Soros has done over the course of his long and sordid career, in my view, is to funnel money towards charities. So the first thing I think he and others did is they figured out how to game the system mm-hmm. by putting that lady Lois Lerner and other people into the IRS who were inclined to look the other way and not only make the decision, as apparently did happen, to prosecute conservative groups starting in 2009-10 period, but to overlook the abuses of left-leaning groups. So there are quite a few left-leaning groups. There's one famous one. I already reported them to the authority called Media Matters, which was funded by, by Soros. Yeah. And they, they are illegally organized and operated, and what they do is they exclusively criticize conservatives. You're not allowed to do that as a charity. You can do that. We have something called an action organization, and that's where you give your money, your after-tax money, to the organization. And they, yeah, you can do that if it's after-tax money. Go for it. But charities where you deduct it off your personal income tax return or maybe a corporate inc- uh, charities cannot, they, they can't be involved in that type of activity helping one candidate or another. And Soros, you're right, has done a lot of that. Uh, the Clintons have certainly done a lot of that. To be fair, Republicans have done it as well. But no, nobody, I mean, the, the, the Clinton Foundation set a fraud since the last time we spoke. I now estimate all of its corners and contours, you know, at order of magnitude. I originally was calling it last year a $100 billion criminal conspiracy. I think it's now in the trillions. Wow. When you consider, when you consider its many tentacles and the affiliates and the business deals that are cut around it and not disclosed as they need to be disclosed. I think you're talking about the largest unprosecuted set of frauds in history, far <laughs> bigger than... than uh, you know, made off far bigger than uh, Ponzi in, you know, adjusting to modern dollars. And these aren't, this isn't a bunch of rubes. You know, these are people who, who all sorts of people around the Clinton Foundation, including the Clintons, have multiple advanced degrees from world-famous universities. They've, they've you know, held high-level positions. They can't say they're stupid and they didn't understand the charity rules and the laws. I mean, Bill Clinton was the Attorney General of Arkansas. He was, a, he was obviously the president of the United States for eight years. I mean, that's the highest legal officer in the land. He has a law degree. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Hillary's credentials are lighter, uh, you know, but, you know, none of the Clintons can claim they didn't understand this, didn't have the ability to understand this. And it's not as if they, they got involved with somebody else's charity. The damn thing is called the Bill, Hillary, and Chelsea Clinton Foundation. You know, what does it say about somebody would run a foundation in their own name this poorly. And so for the first time ever in the life of this charity, we will have somebody in charge of the IRS. We will have a president and we will have the both houses of Congress uh, in a position where if they want to administer the justice that is deserved, they can do it. And we also have a Donald Trump, somebody who's interested in, in draining the swamp. And as I've been saying for the last week or so, very publicly on different channels and now yours, um, 
this is a great exercise here because the people who should be disciplined are not just the Clintons, but the donors to the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. You know, the 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 Bill Gates Foundation, these many other foundations. Why they're not stupid people. You know, they have accountants, they have lawyers, they have the ability to check and see whether the Clinton Foundation is a fraud. They should have known it was a fraud. Why did they continue? I notified them two years ago. Said, look, you got a problem here, Bugs. Here's why. Nothing. Nothing back. I notified several of these foundations. And I think what, what people were thinking last year was, you know, Charles, we love you and all that, but Hillary's going to be the next president. You know, <laughs> remember these last few moments of your freedom. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what happened. Hillary's not the president. And now we have a, our budget deficit. You know, I don't know how big it is in this year, but our total debt is $20 trillion down here. We need to, you know, we've got to get some tax revenue in the door. And what better way? We got $5 trillion in, in charities, sitting in the assets of charities. Mm. What percentage of those charities have been run like the Clintons? Yeah. And the penalties down here for running a charity the way the financial penalties are so severe. You, know, you start with giving all your money back, yeah. getting lawsuits against you, criminal jail terms. We've got a congressperson who's, who's trying to get out of her appointment to be sentenced, I think it's for 18 felony counts operating an $800,000 um, slush fund. She's an African-American congressman from Florida, almost 70 years old. And she faces hundreds of years in prison for an $800,000 slush fund operated under far fewer than 21 years. So, you know, we got some drama down here. And I think uh, Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Morneau and the politicians who are trying to think through how NAFTA is going to get renegotiated and what's going to happen down here, you're making a big mistake if you embrace the Clintons. A massive mistake. Yeah. Far smarter move. Fess up. How much money did you give the Clinton Foundation? What? Were, how badly were you duped? Yeah. And then join the party of trying to get your money back. Yeah, I mean, regardless of whether they knew some of these little you know, legalities of the, of the foundation, how it was set up and whether all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. It's obviously been, you know, been exposed as a pay to play and, you know, with all the people that are donating to that and all the favors that have been gotten and it's, it's just, it's blown, blown all that other stuff away. So have you also investigated like other politicians coming out, like Obama's uh, my brother's keeper and stuff like that? It's funny. You should mention that. Indeed I have. And, uh, Right now, Obama is, uh, is uh, there's some kind of global confab up there in Chicago where they're emulating the, the Clinton Foundations. And I actually, not only have I investigated, I happen to know a trustee of the Obama Foundation, and I warned that person last year. I said, wow. look, you better tell the president that he's got to get the paperwork fixed on your foundation because you're in a heap of trouble if you don't <laughs> do that. And they didn't listen to me. And so they're emulating the Clintons. And so I gave them fair warning, and I've sicked a bunch of investigators on a report of the Obama Foundation. And, you know, I think it's going to have to shut down. Because, you know, Illinois is not a law unto its own. There's going to be a new IRS head. Uh, the Obama Foundation was organized originally when Obama was president, January 31st, 2014, to be an entity to house presidential records. We have a special statute in the United States, Presidential Records Act of 1978, that defines what a record is. And then we have another one, the Presidential Libraries Act of 1955, amended 86, um, which defines what a presidential library is. So they got the thing authorized when Obama controlled everything as a presidential library. 
Then he recently has announced, actually, we're not going to hold any presidential records. You can't do that. <laughs> Legally in the U.S., you cannot do that. You get authorized for a set of purposes. They must be in your articles of incorporation. You can't then do something else. And yet he's already down that path. He hasn't raised that much money. But, you know, I put them on notice. We've had some articles come out. I'm now regularly on the radio and television talking about it. And, you know, certainly the Trump people understand this. And my suggestion is in the, in the Walking Tall Three, I talk about, you know, why don't we do a little study that starts with the George H.W. Bush Foundation, moves on to the Clinton, moves then on to the George W. Bush, and now to the Barack Obama Foundation. And let's also look for good measure at Carter's Foundation. Throw in some other ones. Mm. Make it a bipartisan affair. Yeah. Let's check and see how all these <clears throat> foundations are operating. And, you know, we have to remember the presidential records that are supposed to be in these foundations are the property of we the people in America. They're not Bill Clinton's property or Barack Obama's property. And scholars have an absolute right to study these things. We shouldn't be setting up presidential libraries that are basically preserves so that the partisans who support the Bush family, or the Clinton family, Obama family, whatever, can make sure that only good news is studied. Yeah. I mean, we, there's, there's something rotten with the, the system. I can't speak to the Canadian system. I don't know how that works. But, you know, I think this is just fundamentally a very bad idea to have, you know, leaders have foundations. I, I, I'm not so, so sure that it's a great idea to have a Gates Foundation either. Yeah. You know, I think, that, I think these foundations that um, are foundations that solicit from the public, small bits and bobs from the public, you know, and are independent, not under the thumb of any one person, actually are controlled. Those are good ideas. But vanity foundations in the name of one family? I don't know about that one. Yeah. So I really think it's a good idea that you're getting yourself on video and, and, and YouTube. But um, do, do you worry about the censorship aspect? I mean, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook has all been, you know, very, very, and even Google for that matter. It's all very censored now. And the type of stuff you're talking about will will be censored. So well, do you have any YouTube, backup plans? YouTube, it seems to be mainly monetization. So if you're not worried about that. Well, no, it's, okay. it's, it's, alg wow. it's algorithms and stuff, too. I mean, his videos won't show up at the top like they would before. They've already changed oh, yeah, a lot of that. Right, yeah. So do well, you, I mean... So, so, so far, what I've been, I mean, I've been at this now almost two and a half years exposing this. So what I've been able to do is get to a number of, um, you know, all I need is one attorney general in the United States and one state and the U.S. attorney general and one foreign government. And, you know, uh, what the House, the Senate. I mean, that's all I really need. I don't need 100,000 views. Right, right. That said, quite a few of my videos you know, Stefan Molyneux, with whom I've been on a bunch of times, there's 125,000. Yeah. Uh, Lionel, got a whole bunch <clears throat> on his. Um, this new show I'm doing regularly gets, you know, 7, 8, 10, 12,000 views in a week um, for lengthy videos, you know, videos yeah. that are almost two hours in some cases. So yeah. I think the word is out there. And uh, people are now, we've got a countdown clock to November 15, 2017 to see, <laughs> you know, what what will happen. And um, no mercy as far as I'm concerned for these Clintons. I mean, this is this has been, I mean, I don't know why, it seems that some people in Ontario just love the Clintons. You know, why are people in Ontario spending $225,000 to listen to Hillary Clinton give the same tired remarks to, you know, the same old audience, but not really revealing much? I mean, I don't know, 
maybe Canada is much richer than I thought, but $225,000 for, let's say, a 20, 30, 40-minute speech is a lot of money. Well, it's not if you're getting and, favors for it. I mean, it's not about the speech. Right, but you, you see my point. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, you know, I'm somebody, would I mind if somebody wanted to pay me $225,000 for a speech? I'd turn it down. It's just not, it, it, I don't want to be beholden to somebody. I want to get into the swamp. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's just too high. Yeah, it's just it's not right. There's that person who wants more than the money they're giving from me. It's just not right. You have that much money to burn, pay down the national debt. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Bingo, bango. So you think the writing's on the wall, eh? What's today? It's the so first. Today's the first. Two weeks from Two weeks today. today. Well, and it's worse, you know, for them it's worse than that because it's not like they can wait until November 15th. I mean, right now, Frank Schuster's <laughs> people have got to make a decision, and he and his people, and because he's a rich guy on the board. When this thing goes down, he will be sued, and and you know, if his assets are attachable, they will be attached. So he and the other other billionaires on the board of the Clinton Foundation, the big accounting firms around this thing, law firms around this thing, big donors to the Clinton Foundation, they're going to get sued, not not by me, but they're going to get sued. And uh, because people are going to be saying, you know, the Canadian government should say, you know, I put money into the Clinton Foundation because Frank Huston is a smart guy. You know, I thought. And I was happy to put money in because I figured he'd check this out. Yeah. What were you doing, Frank? Yeah. You know, and it's one thing for Charles Hortel to ask that question, but it's yet another thing for, the, you know, the federal, whoever the right guy is or woman yeah. in Canada <clears throat> to ask a private citizen, what were you doing? And then all these foundations, you know, what are the foundations? They have the Radcliffe Foundation and the various, I don't know if the Trudeau Foundation gave money to the Clinton Foundation, but, you know, people should be asking some very tough questions here. Yep. The Canadian government certainly did. So do you yeah, think well, it's, yeah. um, like, you, you speak with, like, certainty, like, do you think this is uh, guaranteed dead ringer that, you know, a couple months from now, the Clinton Foundation is, is coming down? Well, I, again, you know, I'm not in the business of predicting the future, but I think um, absent absent some, you know, game-changing set of events, you know, a dread war, you know, something like that, uh, or force majeure, absent that, by the 15th of November 2017, or on, on, on the 15th of November, we will learn either that the Clinton Foundation is prepared to file another set of false and materially misleading statements, okay, which will put them in even more jeopardy and take more time for this to come down, or we will learn that some grown-ups around the Democratic Party and around the Clinton Foundation have said, look, enough of this. Okay, You are in deep trouble. Don't compound your felonies. Confess. Appoint a conservator. Penalty. Fortunately, you Clintons have got money. Other people got money. We'll make this... Well, unfortunately, the people of the United States have most of the presidential records. The complex will not be torn down. It will continue to exist in another, another guise. But spare yourself the additional jail time and financial penalties by at least cooperating with the appointment of a conservator to figure this thing out. So they're either going to fight it or not. If they fight it, they will lose bigly, as Trump <laughs> likes to say, which actually turns, turns is, is a word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they'll lose more if they fight by far. 
And then what people will have to do around them is to say, you know, it's easy for, for you know, the generals to say, well, let's have another million people go kill themselves to defend us. But what if those million people say, you know, actually, we don't want to do that. Exactly. You know? And so if the executives and trustees and people, people should really, you know, challenge me on the HIV AIDS thing. Prove to me that the Clinton Foundation at all times took the money they said they were going to use to fight HIV AIDS and actually published them purchased drugs that were not adulterated and actually distributed those drugs in the places they did and actually didn't kill anybody. Prove that to me. Yeah. You can't. Okay. And, and so this is a serious issue and you know, it's not something where you get a pass because of your years of public, your lifetime of public service. You don't get a pass. Well, I think that's something we need to look out for is within the next two weeks. I mean, before November 15th, I mean, something disastrous could happen to take the eyes off of that. Hey, Darren? Let's hope not. Well, that's yeah. That's always what the, the what our what our kind of community here in Grand America would assume that there's you know when that sort of stuff starts to happen, that's when there's these, a reason why these, these distractions happen. These right? String pullers tend to do what they do. Yeah. Right on. Well, it's been a it's been a great chat, Charles. My pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate you you doing that, and we're gonna link to you know all, all the. All your new stuff, your new YouTube channel, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna check that out too. Everyone, make sure you head over and check out Charles's YouTube show. Have you given any thought to releasing the audio as in podcast format? It's in podcast. Is it? It's just on there. Oh, if you go to crowd, go to crowdsource the truth. The site org. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll check it's, it out. It's in a, yeah, perfect. Yeah, good. It's, right it's, it gets pretty good traction so far. We yeah. could always use more. Please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Charles Hortel. I, uh, I try to do my best to, when people send me private messages. I try to answer them. I don't give my email address out over the, you know, stuff like this. But but um, I try to do a good job at, at interacting with people. I appreciate any leads. I am keenly interested. I do have roots in Canada, actually. There's a small town over there in um, Ontario called Spencerville which uh, there's, I think, a, a jazz festival there in the summer, and it was founded by my ancestor, oh, wow. Peleg Spencer. Cool. Yeah. Have you given any thought to coming up for the festival? Um, yeah, I'm not. Maybe next year. I've been up there once. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, you know, rural area, but the, this is an interesting guy. I mean, the family went up there. We were on, that branch of the family was on the wrong side of that little matter, and 1776 and so they went up uh <laughs> they went up to they went up to canada and ended up founding uh this town where they had a very early um mill several mills and then the hotel and the bank and the this and that but a very small town yeah right near the border and then from oh, there, yeah, yeah. And, and from there my uh, the ancestor who came to america arrived in Ultimately, in Montana in 1864, and found a bunch of gold, and uh, we're happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Bingo, bango. Well, big thanks to Charles for coming back on the show. Check out all his stuff, and yeah, thanks for all your work. And hopefully, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the. Be safe out there for sure. Stay out of, stay away from small aircraft and hot hot tubs. Will do, and thanks Thanks for having me back on. Right on, buddy. Okay, okay take care. Bye-bye.
When I was a chat with Charles Hortel. Whew. Got a bit of a sweat happening. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll see some traction. It's not even a partisan thing. I just like to see a big corruption come down and see exactly. if that can be. Because I don't think Trudeau is above it. It's probably happening all over the place. Yeah, definitely. If, and if it's happening in the first world in these countries that are supposed to be pinnacles, then you know it's just a trickle-down effect. It's yeah. happening all across the scale. All our money's just, and we're wondering why, you know. You know, it just seems like the standard of living, I guess, is going up, but like, I don't know, inflation, the, the wages and everything. I don't think the like, standard of living is Even in up. Canada, it's not keeping up. Imagine what it's like in, like, the third world. You've seen those stats where, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you made this much, you could afford this much, or even longer than that. You know, it would take you to buy a house. It really is hard. Look at the price of our, just our basic foodstuffs and all that. Everything's skyrocketing except for wages. I mean, it is yeah. becoming unreasonable. That's right. So, and this part of, this is part of the problem. That and the fucking central banks and the debt-based system we're living in. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys don't hate us too much for talking about Clinton corruption. We know oh, you, you're going to get people coming yeah. back and go, what about Trump University? And what about uh, his going bankrupt and all this stuff? And I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what, before you even you start, know. just send me someone to come on to bitch about for sure. Trump, Trump's that, university yeah. and stuff, and yeah. we'll have them on Oh, too. for sure. Yeah. And then check out grandmarket.ca slash support guys so we can keep doing this kind of stuff, doing whatever we want. Uh, sign up for monthly if you can. There's everything there from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month. Do check your subscription from time to time. I had a couple fall off in the last week or so. I don't What? I give it up that some people do not what? do really? do drop the show. You never tell me when that happens. No, you get all sad. <laughs> but um, I also think that uh, people's credit cards just run out. And yeah, double like check. So double check your subscription from time to time. And Don't listen to PayPal. They say that we disconnected it because that never happened. No, we would never do that. No. We'd never do that. All right. Other than that, guys, I think that's about it. If you can't afford to support the show financially, um, we understand that as well. So there's a bunch of different ways you can support the show for free by rating it, sharing it, reviewing it, signing people up for the newsletter, spam and gram. G-R-A-H-A-M at com. That's right. But yeah, if you can, guys, the the, the donations help for sure. Um, and of course, that gives you access to the Black Budget feed, which I think is up to 13 or 14 episodes by now. Yeah. Check and that's that where show. we get a chance to sort of, I don't know, get a little crazy. And we realize that people, you know, the only people that are listening to that are people that have really you know, helped us out donating the show kind of thing. So it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit more controversial, I would say, and a little bit different content wise. And we're still putting more out in this regular show feed, but we need, uh, obviously your support to do that. So. And it looks like more coming in this feed too. We just realized that we're, you know, we started recording doubles like every week. So it looks like, I think we're going to go up to probably five or six shows a month for you guys. Yeah. The free shows. And then we'll still do the show or two months for the black budget for the black budget. And I mean, hey, if a bunch of you guys sign up for about Black Budget, maybe we'll even look at what? adding some content in there. Yeah, for sure. But we just can't do it now because we don't have enough people. Like, you know, you can't have a guest on and then for only a, and then sit them in their other, you know, put them in the other feed where there's yeah, not a lot of Yeah, that's a tough thing stuff. we have. We can't throw a guest in for 50 people. Well, there's more than that. There's more than 50, but yeah, it's 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 difficult. It's difficult. But we're going to have some round tables and there's yeah, a bunch of podcast there's a bunch of other podcasters some... that would love to do that and we and we'll do it with them. Exactly. And then we could also look at doing some return guests in the black budget feed. 
We were going to put Swabcast in there, but then we realized that that doesn't really work because people could just go to the other person's podcast and listen. Yeah, so it's not really fair to you guys to make that premium premium content for you guys, and then yeah. you go there and you could everyone else could just listen it for free over on their feed. Yeah. Anyway, something to think about. Support the show. You get a little value. Send some back. And uh, I think that's about it. Happy uh, we're past Halloween. Yeah. Whatever. Be kind to each other. Like no. this, who knows when this will come out? Yeah. yeah. All right. Guys. Well, hopefully before the fifteenth. I mean, oh, yeah, really. they should just release this sooner than later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Expressions in digital audio format. Boy, does it sure feel good to be a home man. Searching for words, but they're right under my nose. And there's mouth-watering smells coming from the kitchen, because mom made a homemade pizza. On the back porch, I saw fresh flowers along the fence in all their colorful beauty. Mom and dad sang a backyard alien UFO song. And then we talked about the next thing. I'm waiting on a call from some seemingly important people. And yes, we're still going to need all the purple in the world. For the greater good, for the greater good. Dad's got a firefly in his palm for little Tori. Because she says she's afraid of the dark. Cartoons on the boob tube In a news feed of a car bomb in the newsroom There's mosquitoes Planning an invasion on the other side of the screen door Mother I've been drawing pictures a lot lately It's some sort of therapy And the phoenix rises from the ashes once again This one's for all my foes those that have stepped on my toes before and have spoke ill of me behind closed doors unjustified I say but no worries for I will ignore and block out their existence forevermore and I will prevail I will prevail expressions in digital audio format beauty machine is money is ugly goes to show How deep down ugly, how deep down ugly. Deep historical stuff from uh, the influencers, you know, the elite, the the stuff that I wasn't really touching on very much, but every time I listen to some of that, I learned quite a bit. There's a lot of uh, organizations back then. Engineering us. Engineering us. Sure, sure. Invaded. You're engineered. Yeah, you look a little engineered. You look a little engineered. Invaded.